We are concluding our subject uh, on making your vision come true as we started this topic the last few weeks. And I was saying that uh, uh, we are having our Achievers Awards in the next service, and it's going to be exciting. So I want to just conclude our topic or our subject. Our main text is Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2 and 3. And for those of you who live in the northern suburbs, Habakkuk. <laughs> for those in Soweto, Habakkuk. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2 and 3. <laughs> I'm reading the Amplified Bible and it reads, And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and engrave it so plainly upon tablets that everyone who passes may be able to read it easily and quickly as he hastens by. For the vision is yet for an appointed time and it hastens to the end. It will not deceive or disappoint. Though it tarry, wait earnestly for it, because it will surely come. It will not be behind hand on its appointed day. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Can I hear an amen? We also are reading Acts chapter 26 from verse 12. Paul is saying, and maybe I won't read everything. Verse 19, I just read one verse. He says, so King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. We said that one of God's greatest gifts to mankind is this thing called vision. Somebody say vision. Vision is God's gift to you, God's gift to me. All of us, when we grow up, we all want to see ourselves become something. I mean, even children, as, as, as young as they can be, the minute they start, you know, knowing how to think, how to reason, they all have vision. As a matter of fact, when you watch children playing, very often they are playing out what they would like to become. So vision is simply the art of seeing with the invisible eye. When the children are playing, they are playing about something that is not tangible at the time. Like somebody says, vision is a picture of a preferable future. You see, the future belongs to those who see possibilities before they become obvious. Because vision is not what is right now. Vision is what could be. In other words, God has given you vision. For you to know that your life can go further. You can achieve more. You can become more than what you are right now. You can be more spiritual, more godly. You can have more degrees. You can have more businesses, more churches. You can move further. Look at your neighbor who's not saying anything. He said, don't you believe you can become more than what you are? Yeah, that's what God gives us. Vision. And it is vision that helps us to move forward in life. If you have no vision for the future, you will end up dying today. And I'm not talking about the death of physical death, but you die in terms of uh, being someone who has passion, who has drive, somebody who wakes up for a reason. You know, it is vision that moves us forward. It is vision that keeps us focused. It is vision that keeps us a reason for being. Can I hear an amen? amen? Because vision is simply a glimpse of your purpose. 
You came into this world by God's design, by God's purpose. You are not an accident. You are not an afterthought. You are here by God's design. Yeah, even before you were born, God knew about you and God gave you a vision. Can I hear an amen? So we started on talking about steps to make your vision come true. We talked about the first step and we said we need to define our vision. I'm not going to go into that because we talked about that at length. And then we sort of rounded up talking about making an action plan. We said, you know, having vision is one thing. Defining vision is one thing. But we need to plan our vision. Because planning is the starting point of every dream and every goal. You know, the Bible tells us in Proverbs 21 verse 5, the plans of the diligent lead only to plenty. So when you plan, it will lead you to fulfilling your vision. Then we said we need to clarify what you expect. In other words, set clear goals and be practical. Why? Because when you are vague, it will produce no results. If you say this year, I want to improve, you know, uh, you can see my hands. I mean, you know, you know, I mean, what do you mean? It's another thing if you say this year, I want to get five distinctions. See, that's tangible. That's clear. You know, but if you say this year, I want to do better at school. What do you mean? What's better at school? So you need to be very clear about what we, you want to do. Then we moved, we talked about moving into implementation because it is only when you implement that it actually turns your goals into actionable steps. Very often people want to do something, but they don't actually put plans and steps. The Bible tells us in Colossians 3.23, and whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord. So you and I, we need to be action people. You need to break down your implementation into what you will do on a daily basis, what you will do on a weekly basis, what you will do on a monthly basis. Why? Because very often, you know, if you watch the way people live every day, you can already tell by looking at them that they will never get to their goal. Yeah. They'll never get to their goal. So why? Because even when they, the way they handle each day, there's no plan. You know, some people just wake up in jail. They they don't know where they're going. They don't know what they're going to do. Look at your neighbors. I hope you're not one of those people. Hmm? Some people just wake up in the morning, there's no plan, there's nothing. So planning is important. Always try to plan. Then we said we need to take risks. We should never allow fear to stop us from following our vision. Take risks to reach your goals. Strive to accomplish your dreams. Believe in the ability of God on the inside of you. Yeah, life and progress only belongs to men and women who are willing to take those risks. Take those risks. If God has shown you something, take that step. And then we talked about, I think when we concluded, we need to anticipate obstacles along the way. You see, problems are part and parcel of the journey. Can I always hear an amen? And therefore, when we have obstacles and problems, we should be able to look through the problem and not at the problem. You've got to always see possibility when you face challenges. Can I hear an amen? So let's pick up on that. Uh, 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 And and then the next point, we said you need to budget your resources. You need good stewardship to use your time wisely, to use your money, your talent, your resources, and to know how to apply God's word in your life. 
I love Genesis 8:22 when it talks about Joseph. Rather, uh, when, when God talks about seed time and harvest, it says, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. In other words, if you know what your goal is and what your vision is, you become intentional about how you use your resources. And when I talk about resources, I'm not just talking about money, as important as that is. But I'm also talking about your time. I'm also talking about what you invest in in your life. I mean, what is it that you are reading? How much time do you spend in prayer? What surrounding do you surround yourself? Why? To feed your vision. See, if vision is going to come to pass, you've got to take certain steps that will move you forward. So you've got to budget your resources. It talks about us how we need to sow. Seed time and harvest is coming. So if I'm going to, if I want to get distinctions like the young people, you know, what do I sow? Well, I sow time in studying. Yeah. So instead of using my time, uzula zula. Huh? You use your time studying. See, when other people go somewhere else, you see, so if in terms of time, is it what is it that you are planting and sowing with your time? See, you chose to be in church this morning. You chose to come and listen to the word this morning. Eh? Yeah, yeah, yes, Bishop Botwana, he chose to come here this morning. You could have been somewhere else. He cho- and remember, everything we do is seed time and harvest. When you know where your vision is going, you choose your words. You choose what you read. You choose the, everything. Life is about sowing and reaping. And, 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 and because there's such a big gap between the time of sowing and the time of reaping, people never ever look back at the results of their lives and say, I'm here because of all those things that I did. And because there's such a huge, you know, and often when things don't turn out in our lives, what does God hear me? Bishop, <laughs> what does God hear me? You know? And oftentimes we do those kind of things and we kind of get to that point where it's almost like we are surprised. We are surprised that things have turned out this way. When I have been planting something, that's not good. You know, I don't know if you were like me, but you know, I... I, I, I I, I was a hard-working student, to be honest, at school. But there were times when some of the projects they gave us, particularly when we went on holiday, you know. I know why you're laughing at me, because you were much more diligent than I am. But, but, but me, sometimes, you know, if, if they gave us a project, I, I wouldn't do it on the, you know, immediately the following day. I wouldn't start on the project, you know. So you have a break of about two weeks or so. You know, I'd play the whole... 10 days and then when I'm left with just four days to go, then and only then do you start with the project. And then you realize that your teacher knows why they gave you that project knowing that you're going away for 14 days because the project would actually need 14 days. Have you ever been there? Eh? Running to school with an unfinished project. So anybody has ever done that kind of a thing? You know? And so you know it would be so strange that when you get bad marks you know, we'll try to go convince our parents that this teacher has something against me. 
But you know, the project really wasn't properly done. And you only discover it was worse if it was homework. You know, mathematics or English or anything like that where you had to research this and find this and find this. And then what happens? Then you work through the whole night. Anybody knows? Anybody knows what I'm talking about? Anybody? And then the following day you go to school, you're like a walking zombie. Anybody has been there? Red eyes, bloodshot eyes, you know? And the project is not finished. And we put ourselves through that because we don't want to plant what is right in our lives. Can I hear an amen? So budgetary resources and then exercise your faith. Believe what God says about you. Using your faith will keep you from giving up. Believe in what God says about you. Believe in what the word of God says about you. Using your faith will help you to not give up when the going gets tough. Hebrews 10, 35 and 36, we'll read it again, but I read it now. Do not cast away your confidence. One translation says, don't cast away your faith. Do you remember that song we used to sing years ago? Do you remember that song? Yeah. Don't cast away your faith. It says, it has great recompense of reward. In Matthew 17, 20, Jesus said to the people, because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you will say unto this mountain, remove hands and yonder, and it will remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Basalana, believe God, believe his word. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Believe what the word says, no matter what circumstances say, exercise your faith. I'm so glad in the 80s we started receiving teachings on faith, you know, believing. And you know, with any teaching, there will always be extremes. I think some people have taken the teaching of faith to extremes, you know. But you know, if you listen to the teaching of faith, just fundamentally and no extreme, no razzmatazz, it's a powerful thing. It's a powerful thing. I tell you, when I was sitting in the services where we had people teach on faith, you know, something happened in my spirit. I started realizing there is possibility out there. Yeah, I started realizing all things are possible to those that believe. Yeah, I started realizing it's no use me sitting here and feeling sorry for myself. I've got to do something. I am not a victim of circumstances. I'm a child of God made in the image of God. And I have world overcoming faith on the inside of me. Can I hear an amen? The Bible says, and this is the victory. This is the victory that makes them overcome even their faith. Faith is the victory that helps us overcome the world. You know, when I started hearing those teachings, my goodness, I realized, you know, instead of me waiting for some, something to come or some, some coincidence to come, I can start something. Instead of living life as a passenger, I can become the driver of my life. Are you understanding what I'm saying, Bazalan? Instead of hoping for coincidence, I can start something like the woman with the issue of blood. If Jesus is not coming to you, you take the step of faith and go to him. Yeah. I realized faith is what we need. And I'm telling you, Basalan, coming from the backgrounds that many of us come from, where we didn't have a good start in life, I mean, some of us, when we look around, there's really nothing to hold on to. Huh? Family things are not working. You know, 
everything is a problem nje it's just zero but what i like the bible says faith is the substance of things hoped for one translation says faith gives substance to the things that are hoped for it is faith that god used to create the world when god looked at nothingness god through faith said let there be light and there was light and the same with you when you are surrounded with nothing no money no support no anything you know no anything you can still believe in god because god gives you faith can i hear a shout and an amen in this house have faith in god so we can use our faith use faith when it comes to your dream believe god when it comes to your vision can i hear a shout amen and then we said we need to pray for our dream or ask for our dream pray for it or ask things from god many people are afraid to ask the bible says ask and it shall be given to you seek and you shall find ask for help for your vision ask for information ask for money favors support ask for advice see as we run the church bishop otwana is here this is somebody that i we phone one another on issues of leadership we talk yeah that i have a vision it doesn't mean i have all the answers of moving forward no ask other people are you hearing my bazala yeah some of you are going to have problems because you don't think that you know uh, asking from other people you think it will make you lose your originality who's original here who's original nobody is original we all copy from somebody hmm i want to be original original guy there's nobody who's original well you are original in the sense that god made you unique but let's tell the truth We, all the knowledge you have you learned it from somebody you didn't discover it yourself come on now don't try to look so intelligent now you learned it from somebody if you ever went to school one day in your life you lost your originality you know because all the knowledge we have is not you who came up with 1 plus 1 is 2 come on now huh so do you somebody else taught you 1 plus 1 is 2 So you know don't don't be afraid to get other people to help you in your vision. Yeah, go and ask for help. Don't be afraid to do that. You know some people have got great plans and great visions but they're just not going to ask anybody, you know. You have nothing to lose by asking, only everything to gain. So when you ask, somebody said ask as and and, and expect to get what you're asking for. Bill Hybel says ask and assume. He said make a big ask, don't ask for small things. Yeah. And and go to somebody who can give you what you're asking for and be specific. Somebody said ask repeatedly. When somebody says no, just say next please and go keep on asking. Yeah, you you will find someone who will be willing to help you. Can I hear an amen, Bazar? And then we said open yourself to God's guidance. God wants to lead us in ways that are pleasing to him. Now, today I want to end up on these two points. All right? which is point number 3. Remember we said first of all define your vision, point number 2 make a plan. So all those other points there were about making a plan. Nah. Number 3, this is an important point. Question your progress. And what I mean by question your progress is, you know, look at how far you are in moving closer to the fulfillment of your vision. If you don't assess how far you are, it's going to be a problem. Somebody said you cannot manage what you cannot measure. 
And I think Rona as well, as religious people, we need to understand Bazalana Hore. God's way of working is not just in mystical mysticism, you can't see, you, you, you know. Now, God does work that way. But let, let's talk about church growth, for instance. Church growth happens when more people come into the church. Or when you expand in more branches. You plant more branches. Or the church grows in number. The church is growing. You can't, just, you can't say it's growing when, <laughs> when it's reducing. Now, here's our mistake as church people, right? We say we want to spread the message of the gospel to our, the nations of the world. Or let's not go that far. We want to spread the message of the gospel in Gauteng. Okay, here's my question. How many more churches are we starting? How many more other areas are we infiltrating? And you know what, Alan, I must say, and I'm talking to our pastors about this, next month we'll be having a different theme. You know, as I've been driving around our nation, there's a lot of development in our nation. New houses, I'm telling you. Many places. But you know, the sad thing is this. You look at the rate of development and the rate of churches being built. Or the presence of the church, we're lagging behind. Now, we can easily say, oh, people are coming to Jesus, or we're having influence and having impact. But if you were to measure and count, we would be disappointed. You don't want to say amen. And, and you know, sometimes we have this way of spiritualizing. You know, but when you measure, and, and when you try to be practical, you say, but, you know, let me give you another measurement. Let me give you another measurement. If we believe as the church, and as churches, all of us, if we believe we still need to have a future, we need to be asking our questions, how many young people are we attracting into our churches? Yeah. 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 And I must tell you, it's been difficult for some of us when we've been to some of the meetings, in many meetings where we're there as religious people, when you look at us, many of us are, are 50 years and over. We have very few 22-year-olds. And I'm saying, if we, if, if we are claiming hmm, that we want to reach the next generation, Mara, we don't even have the next generation sitting with us at the same table. What are we talking about? Now, you see, those are very important questions. Because, you see, see, when you start asking those questions, then you realize it's easy to be spaced out and live in a false world that's only real when you're in a church building. And then we get surprised when few years later things turn out in a certain way. 2 Corinthians 13.5 says, Examine yourself. Whether you be in the faith, prove your own selves. I love it in the New Century Version. It says, look closely at yourself, test yourselves to see if you are living in the faith. You know that Jesus Christ is in you unless you fail the test. So have regular reviews about where you are going. Regular reviews. Check yourself. 
We said, hashtag a thousand churches. I had to sit down and ask around the practicality of that. Okay? So if I say a thousand churches in my lifetime, okay, I'm turning 56 this year. All right? So if those churches have to be all planted before I'm 70, it means between now and then we must plant several many churches. Okay. I mean, we're not even at a hundred. We have more than 900 and something to go. So 900 something, divide mathematics, calculate, So here we are, let's say I'm 56 years old, between now and I'm 70, 14 years to go. So if I'm, we are to plant 900 churches in, in, in 14 years, huh? what, what does it take per year? How many churches must we plant per year? Yeah? How much? 67. 65 churches. So we must plant 65 churches a year. Now we have 12 months a year. Come on now. Let's talk. We have 12 months a year. Okay. So divide 60. Divide and divide and. Give a guy. Five. So we must plant five churches per month. Yeah, six would be the closest. We must plant six churches per month. So if that's true, if we want to get there, what must we do? That's why the vision here this is very big for the churches. I've put a very big vision, my boy. Because if we're going to get... See, I'm just trying to show you the practical. See, many times we talk about we want to do this. We want, oh, 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 hold on now. No, God works in mysterious ways. Let's leave the mystery alone. Let's talk. So here we are. We have to plant. I love her. Just give it to me again. How many churches per week? 60. We must plant six churches per month. So it means we must plant one and a half churches per week. I said per week. Every week per week. They are correcting me in front. Every week per week. But that's the way it is now. Now, now here's the question. If that is so, it means we've got to have those pastors. So, it leads to the next question. How many pastors are we training? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's very important. But many people never break down their vision to that extent. No. So we say things and we say things and we say things. And then it doesn't happen. And we say God works in mysterious ways. Ah, it's you who is mysterious. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, it's you who is mysterious. No, 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 no. I'm just joking. Don't sorry. Even when we drive a car, a car gives us feedback. The dashboard, when you're looking at the dashboard, the dashboard tells you how many revs you're making, how much fuel you have, the temperature of your car, the more advanced ones, the temperature outside. More than anything, it tells you the speed at which you're traveling. It tells you the distance you've covered. It gives you feedback. So if you know your destination is a thousand kilometers away, huh? and, 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 and here you are, you still have, say, a hundred Ks or 500 Ks to go, and you know that you're on quarter tank. That feedback says the next petrol station you meet, you better drive in there and refuel. That, that feedback helps you to adjust your vision, make certain adjustments on where you're going. 
I remember we're driving. I know it was it's before we used to be. It's before we, I traveled with you. I used to travel with another team years ago, and we drove from from Toyando uh, 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 to go all the way to Rustenburg. It's a long way. Hey, we drove, and it, you know we we finished preaching there. I think I finished preaching there at about ten in the evening or eleven o'clock, something like that. And we drove to go to the service the following day. We had to drive overnight. So and I remember. I, I, I looked at the feedback on the dashboard, you know, the petrol, and I realized, sorry, we don't have enough petrol. I think we were on quarter tank, Bishop. And, and, and then, you know, you have these signs on the road that tells you when is the next filling station. And when I checked, I realized, sorry, hey, we better move in there. But the driver had a different opinion. He says, no, no, let's skip this one. We'll go to the next one. <laughs> ah, you got it. Here it is. It's early hours of the morning. And we, we drove past that filling station, and the next thing, the next board, I think the next filling station was almost 100 kilometers away. Yeah, yeah, and when I looked, that, then that's when the light came on, the reserve tank light. I tell you. And we kept and I said to the brother, please, Kikupa, reduce the speed. Don't go so fast. Lord, I started praying, I mean, really. Because that's like two in the morning. I mean, imagine getting stuck in the middle of nowhere. And I'm looking at the time. It's already early hours of the morning. I'm supposed to be at the next church. You know, how, where are we going to get the feeling thing? And we're driving this car. You know, there's certain cars there when you drive it. Anybody knows what I'm talking about? Yeah? And I was saying to them, I'm you know, when we finally got in there, I think, it, I don't know how much, in fact, when they filled it, when they filled the tank, it was, you know, but they tell you your tank is 74 liters, whatever, mine is 75 liters, and they filled it to 75 liters. So I wondered, what is it that brought us here? I think there was a supernatural intervention somewhere. I cannot understand how we got there. Pastor Chris Ludovic, who used to work with Reinhard Bonke, Tell, told a story, very interesting story of a certain young pilot. You know, they used to charter planes to, to fly from one country to the other to prepare for the, for the gospel outreaches of Reinhard Bonke. So, you know, it, it's quite interesting the experiences he had. And so he got on this chartered flight with this young pilot, took off to go to another country. And uh, as they were coming in for preparing to descend for a touchdown, then the word comes up on the intercom that all flights, they need to clear the airspace around the airport because the president is about to, 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 to fly off, you know, on another airliner. And this guy, you know, those of you who are pilots, you know this, it's, it's required by law, the law of aviation, that you need to have enough fuel in your, in your, in your, in your, in your plane. Enough such that if they were to give you orders to turn back from where you came from, you can be able to go back in some instances, get back there, or at least land somewhere safely. But this young guy didn't obey those rules. He didn't fill up. So he said, as we were busy circulating around, I could see the, the fuel gauge. You know, and, and he said, I realized, sorry, yeah, we're in trouble. And I said, I saw this guy starting to sweat, you know. Because you know, it's a small plane, you can see what's going on. He's sitting there. He said, I saw this guy sweating. He said, 
thank God, finally they said, plain so and so, you can come for a touch. And he says, this guy just went, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he said, just as I, they were about to, to touch down on the ground, he just had the, you know, the engine stalling and popping. But they, they landed at least and kind of used the momentum to go into the parking bay. But there was no fool. That's what some of you do with your vision. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you do with your vision. Yeah. You don't ever question your progress and check where you are. Track your progress. Check as well. If you are still on target, ask yourself, am I achieving the results I'm expecting? Put signals and indicators and affirm your progress. Can I hear an amen? Let me show you something. Let's go to Genesis 1. You know, I love it. See, every vision, you need to, even if you are not yet where you want to become, or rather where you want to get, you need to make sure that you celebrate the progress made, but you must check how far you are, celebrate what you've achieved, and move on. Let's go to Genesis chapter 1. I'm going to read and skip, all right? Genesis chapter 1. Sorry, I didn't, I didn't realize I did this. This thing is shaking here. Genesis chapter 1. All right. Now, it talks about how when God created the earth, all right? So, I'm going to verse 10. It says, and God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters he called the sea, and God saw that it was good. Somebody say, God saw it was good. Keep going. It says... And Okay, and God said, let the earth bring forth, what verse am I on? Go to, oh yeah, let the earth bring forth grass, herb yielding seed, fruit tree yielding fruit after their kind, whose seed is in themselves upon the earth, and it was so. Keep going. And the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind, and tree yielding fruit, whose seed was in itself after its kind, and God saw it was good. Somebody say, and God saw it was good. Verse 13, and it was evening, and it was morning, and this was on the third day. All right? Skip to verse 18, please. Verse 18. And to rule over the day and over the night to divide the lights from darkness, and God saw it was good. This is when he made all the lights. Keep going. Verse 19. It says there, and it was evening and morning. These were the fourth day. So what happens, Basana? God creates on one day, right? At the end of it, he says, he sees that it's good. It's the end of today. Even if God knows there's still more to come, he still celebrates the little that he has done. Are you understanding what I'm trying to say here? You know, it's important for you to learn to, to celebrate the little. This, I'm talking about tracking your progress here. Okay, whatever little has happened, you've got to celebrate. And God created great whales and every living creature that moves in the waters it brought forth abundantly after their kind, every winged fowl after its kind, and God saw that it was good. Keep going. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let the fowl multiply in the earth. Keep going, verse 23. And it was evening, and it was morning. It was what? The fifth day. Yeah. So, you know, every achievement, God stopped, said, This is good. I'm not where I'm, I'm supposed to be, but I'm not where, where I was when I started. Some of you probably, that's where you are right now. At least you've moved further. Even if it's just one thing, it's all right. Yeah, even if you don't follow past it, it's a fellow subject A1. At least I want to fail like I'll fail at least seven. It's all right. 
Amen. Amen. You've moved on. You know, you, you started a church. You, you know, we have some of our young pastors here. You started a church. It's 10 people. It's all right. It's not like preaching to desks. It is this movement. It's something. Yeah. It's the first day. And it's good. Yeah. Somebody say it's good. But you may not have reached everywhere you want to be. Right? But it's good. Why is it important for us to celebrate our small wins? Because it gives you momentum for the rest of the journey. Can I hear an amen, Bazalan? It's important that we celebrate our small wins because it helps you to move forward in your journey. Can I hear an amen? amen? And finally, I need to conclude now. Stay on course. Stay on course. Habakkuk says the vision is for an appointed time. And it hastens to the end to fulfillment. It will not deceive or disappoint. If it tarries, wait earnestly for it. Somebody say, wait earnestly for it. Why must we wait for it? Because it will surely come. It will not be behind hand on its appointed day. The scripture that we read. I want to read it in the New American Standard Bible. Habakkuk 10.35. I mean, uh, Hebrews rather. 10.35. I want to read the 35 verse, 35th verse in the New American Standard Bible. It says, therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. Why mustn't I throw away my confidence? For you have need of endurance. Somebody say endurance. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you need to endure. It says, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. So stay on course. Move forward decisively. Press on with the greatest determination in your life. Even when you fail, fail moving forward. Right? Even when there are problems, make the necessary corrections and keep moving forward towards your goals. Conrad Hilton, who owns the Hilton Hotels, this is what he says, and I quote, Success seems to be connected with action. Successful people keep moving. They make mistakes, but they don't quit. End of quote. Can I hear an amen? So, Mazalana, don't allow people to talk you out of your vision. Because as you move forward, there are some people who will try to discourage you. I'm telling you, vision takes a long time sometimes to be fulfilled. Don't allow people to do that to you. In Nehemiah chapter 2, from verse 17 to verse 20, listen what Nehemiah said. Then said I unto them, you see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lies in waste, and the gates thereof are bent with fire. Come, let us build up the wall. That's a vision. Let us build up the wall of Jerusalem that will be no more a reproach. Then I told them of the hand of God which was upon me and also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, let us rise up and build. This is people, they are motivated. They're saying, let's do it like you are motivated when you are hearing this sermon. I'm going to dream this year. Yeah, I'm going to have a vision this year. I'm going to have gold this year. So people rise up and say, let's build. So they strengthen their hand for this good work. But when Sanballat, the Horonite, and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite, and Geshem the Arabian, when they heard it, they laughed us to scorn and despised us and said, what is this thing that you do? Will you rebel against the king? Then I answered them and I said, I love this one, the God of heaven, he will prosper us. I said, the God of heaven, he will prosper us. 
I'm here to tell you the God of heaven, he will prosper you. Even if Sanballat can talk, even if Tobiah can talk, the God of heaven, he will prosper you. He will prosper you. He will prosper you. He will prosper you. I said he will prosper you. He will prosper you. He says, therefore, we, his servant, will arise and build. I'm not stopping in my vision. I'm not talking in my goal. But you can keep on talking. It's not going to stop me. I'm going to arise and build. Hallelujah. All of us, we have our own son, Balats and Tobias. Yeah. In fact, when you read further in chapter 4, they were so brutal. They said, ah, see, after they have built... After they've built the wall, they looked at the wall. They said, ah, this wall of yours is not even strong. Yeah, they said, even if a J collar, a fox can step on the wall, it will break. So, they're always saying you'll never make it. When you make it one step, then they have another thing to say. Can I hear an amen in the house? Can I hear? They always have an opinion. When you move another step, they say, well, the next step will be, will be, but I said, the God of heaven, he will prosper you. God of heaven will prosper us. Yeah. So you must remember there's always people who try to create obstacles. There are people who just don't believe you can move on. They just don't believe God can help you. They just don't believe because they think that you're just an ordinary person. They don't know. You are a child of God saved by the power of God. You are God's, God's, God's favorite child. Can I hear an amen? You are the apple of God's eye and there's no weapon formed against you will prosper. The God of heaven, he will prosper you. He will prosper you. He will prosper you. Stick to your vision. Even when you meet roadblocks, stick to your vision. I love Luke chapter 5. I, I like this one. I love it in the King James Bible. Let's read this one. Luke chapter 5 from verse 17. You all know the story. This guy is not well. Okay, let's It came to pass on a certain day as Jesus was teaching. There were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by that come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Keep going, please. It says, and behold, men brought on a bed a man which was taken with palsy. So he has a guy, he, 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 has, he has palsy, he's not well, he can't walk. He is paralyzed. So he's carried on a stretcher. But what is his vision? His vision is to get healed. Oh yeah. His vision is to get well. Here they brought him where Jesus was. And I like that other part. I always underline it. Underline it in your Bible. Here, and they sought me. Hey, you know, that's an important story that in the end they sought me. But it's a plan. Yeah. It wasn't just easy for them to enter into this place. They made a plan. No, the next verse, they sought means by which they can bring him in and lay him before Jesus. Keep going, verse 20. It says, when they couldn't find by what way. Verse, verse uh, Verse before, that was, when they could not find by what way they might bring him in, they, they, uh, because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop. These are people who are looking for a way. Yeah. Door blocked, window blocked, get on the rooftop. They sought means. They sought means. The banks don't want to give me money, seek means. People don't want to join in and help me, seek means. 
Sick means. I don't have education. Sick means. My family is not supporting me. Sick means. My friends have deserted me. Sick means. My associates are planning against me. Sick means. They sought means. When they found the windows blocked, when they found the doors blocked, they went up on the house roof, on top of the house, and they let the man through the ceiling. Hey. Know the next verse. I love this. It says, and when Jesus saw their faith, can God see your faith? You remember we talked about faith? God knows that people of faith, they don't stop at the door. People of faith, they don't stop at the window. People of faith, they don't say the house is full. People of faith, they don't say people must move out of the way. People of faith don't allow obstacles to stop them. They seek means. They sought means. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to them, your sins are forgiven you. Keep going, keep going. In the scribes, the Pharisees began to reason, saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God? You always have people who are in the middle of you trying to get your miracle by, ah. Ah. Next verse. But Jesus, when he perceived their thought, he answered and said unto them, why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which one is easier to say to this man, your sins be forgiven or rise up and walk? But you see, Jesus hasn't forgotten what they came for. I said, God is aware of what you came for. Next verse. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. And he said to the sick man, I say unto you, arise, take up your coach and go into your house. Next verse. It says next verse. And immediately he arose before them and took up what he lay on and he parted from his own house, glorifying God. I see somebody's vision coming to pass. I see you glorifying God in spite of all the Sanballat and the Tobias, in spite of all the obstacles. I see you rising up immediately by the power of God and people will not understand what has happened to you. It is when you will not allow any obstacle to be created before you. Hold on to your vision. Hold on to your dream. Can I hear an amen? Raise your hands and just pray right now. Raise your voices and pray. Thank the Lord for his word. Thank the Lord for his word. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is a lamp to our faith. Your word is a light to our path. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. Come on, raise your voice. Just pray like you believe it. Pray like you are that man, that woman that God's going to use. Thank you, Lord, for infusing us with vision. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Take your seats for a while. Bow your heads and close your eyes in this place. Just keep on praying softly right where you are. Just take your seats and take your seats and just pray right softly right where you are. Somebody here has come. You've come here seeking for answers. You've come here longing that God can transform your life and change you. 
You're looking at your life, you see your life going the way you don't want it to go. It's going in the wrong way. It's heading in the wrong direction. But as you're here, listening to the word, you realize, you know what? It all depends on the decisions I make. It's all up to me. Jesus Christ can change me and make me a new person altogether. As you are in this holy sanctuary and you are here and you say, you know what? I want to start where we should start by making Christ the Savior and Lord of my life. Would you please pray for me? I want to invite Jesus Christ into my heart. If that is you, would you raise your hand right where you are, please? I want to pray with you right now. Say, Bishop, please pray for me. Just raise your hand. Thank you for those hands. Raise them up. Raise them up. Raise them up. See, it's all up to you, my brother, my sister. God changes our lives because we take the steps. So many people, they want to see things happen in their lives. They want to see God intervene. But instead of taking the step, they're waiting for something. But you need to take the step. Thank you for those hands. May I ask all the people who raise their hands, I want to pray with you. Would you please just stand on your feet right where you are. There's many of you. Just stand on your feet. Even the people at the back. I see you right there at the back. Just stand right in front.